Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad you're here today. I didn't know Josh was going to do that, so if we could just give a round of applause for Josh and his family. They're amazing. They were one of the reasons it was very easy for us uh, after feeling God's call to join them on this move, so we wouldn't be here without the Whitlows. Um, I'm excited for today's message. I know that for some of you today that there was a, an extra minute where you thought about not coming in. Maybe for some of you, it was, it was irresistible to, to stay in bed. Or you have plans this weekend and you had to push them off to join us today. Or, or there was just something and you felt this pull to not join us. I'm excited that you are here because I believe there is a spiritual battle for your presence today. Which is why when I found out I was going to give this message eight weeks ago, I began praying every single day. I prayed for the message because I know today's topic, it's a heavy one. We're in the middle of a series called You Asked For It, and this is one that you have asked us to unpack and to talk about. And I believe because most of you are either in the process or haven't even begun the process of starting your journey in this topic. And so the fact that you are here today shows that you are meant to be here on purpose. Now, there's going to be a temptation when I talk about today's topic. Um, Some of you, you're going to want to just tune me out. You're going to try and discredit something that is said today. Uh, There's going to be a a chord that is struck because you're walking in with some kind of experience or memory or or weight that I'm not aware of. Or you're going to go, Chad, you have no idea what you're asking me to do. The truth is you're right. To a degree, I have no idea what situation you walked in with, what context you walked in with. Jesus does. And so today you're not hearing me give a message. We're going to look at the words of Jesus. And Jesus' words are going to be what inspire us, what move us, what change us today. You see, we're talking about forgiveness. And so if you're a note taker, this is the time to get your pen ready, get your phone out. Your big idea, your bottom line is going to be forgive them anyway. Forgive them anyway. And for some of us, this is forgiving ourselves. There's something that you've done. There's something that you've come out of. There's, there's a memory or a comment or a conversation that you need to forgive yourself for. For others, it's, there's this uh, external factor, a situation that happened, a person that wronged you, something happened, or either changed your life drastically and you've worked through it or you're just kind of allowing that to control you in a way that you don't even realize. And today, Jesus is telling us to forgive them anyway. What I'm not talking about, we're going to circle back this a little bit, but it's important to address it right now so that through the rest of the conversation, you're not thinking about this. I'm not talking about reconciliation. That is completely different. Forgiveness is not always reconciliation. There are times we have to have boundaries. Unfortunately, there are times we have to say goodbye to somebody who has wronged us. Talking about forgiveness. And here's why this is important. In Luke, we're going to spend most of our time in Luke today. Um, Luke, teen, Luke 17, 1, Jesus tells us this. It is impossible, it is impossible that no offenses should come, meaning each and every one of you have been and are going to be wronged. It's going to happen to you at some point. On the flip side, that means you're probably going to be the uh, individual or the party who wrongs somebody else as well which is where that self-forgiveness comes into play. It's impossible that no offenses should come. He goes on to say this to his disciples. Take heed to yourselves. 
If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in, <laughs> in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles did exactly what I would do. And they look at Jesus and they say, Lord, increase my faith. I don't know about you, but the moment I'm telling you there's going to be a necessary forgiveness, maybe you're going, I don't know if I can do that. What's interesting is this is the only time in all of Jesus' ministry disciples ask for increased faith. The disciples walk through um, walking on water. They cast out demons. They feed the hungry. They go, there's governments who want to murder them. And never do they ever say increase our faith. When it comes to the topic of forgiveness, their initial response is increase our faith. Why? Because offenses are going to come and there's going to be a multitude of them. And now there's a huge spectrum on these offenses. You drove in today, which means some of you probably took the 10 and someone cut you off or you know, brake checked you or did something. We have these small offenses that occur all the time. Now, these do chip away. I, I know one day I was driving on the 10, there was like three cars that cut me off and three times I was upset and that like starts to build up. And those, that's part of what we're talking about. Everyday small offenses that come our way. For some of us, most of those are really easy to just cast away, to forgive. But then there's the big things. There are massive offenses that have happened in our lives that are going to happen in some of our lives. That's why I've been praying every single day. There's some of you here who have not experienced this process of forgiveness, who probably walked in here today thinking, I will never be able to forgive what has happened. My life will never be different than it is now because of this deep emotional hurt. And I'm praying, I have been praying for weeks that each and every one of us would be able to step into forgiveness. Not because I think it's a good idea, but because it's, it's what the Bible tells us. And so um, I want to take a real quick and like, let's just ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about forgiveness? Because what I've learned is it's important and you live out what you believe. If you believe the Bible to be true, we live out the principles differently. And if it has a very clear definition of forgiveness, then when, if we trust it, it dictates how we live. You guys all sat down today at some point because you believed your chair was going to hold you up, right? You got in your car and you drove here because you believed you were going to be okay. The what we believe dictates the way that we live, and it's no different than forgiveness. Some of you believe that forgiveness is possible, that it's a good thing, that it's going to change you, that... Um, this is going to be what Jesus actually tells us to experience. This is necessary. And others believe it's not that important. Well, we've never started that journey. But because I know that today is a heavy topic, I wanted to play a game to lighten the mood. So just go ahead and breathe, because it's going to be fun for just a few minutes. Um, and so I'm going to put up some questions here in just a minute, but I want to give you just a quick cheat code um, that I learned a few years ago. See, I'm an old school journal and pen kind of note guy. I'm a lefty. So where's my lefties at? Anybody a lefty? You know that smear that when you're trying to write with a pen that it doesn't dry fast enough and it's here? That's me. And I was at a conference a few years ago, like writing as fast as I could. Um, when I write slow, you can't read it. When I write fast, I can't read it. So I am like blitzing through these slides trying to keep up. And an 18-year-old sitting next to me goes, why don't you just do this? And he pulls out his phone. And he takes a picture of each and every, every slide. And he puts them in the notes. So I want to encourage you, if, 
If you're here today and you're a note taker, I'm gonna put up four questions real quick. Just get your camera out. Don't be writing real quick. It's, it's gonna save you a lot of time. It reminded me how old I am and how tech savvy I am not. So go ahead and decide the person next to you who you're gonna share your answers with. You can keep it quiet. I want you to pick that person out, look at the other person, say, sorry, I don't trust you. And if you want extra credit for heaven, go ahead and give me your answers at the end of this, and I'll make sure I speak up to the big guy and we'll get you in there. So if you want to throw up these four questions here, true or false, and for some of you this is going to be pretty easy, for some you're not going to be sure, but feel free to go ahead and walk through these uh, one by one with the person next to you. The first one, forgiveness is a good idea only when someone deserves it. So go ahead, whoever you trust in the crowd, go ahead and say it quiet. You're out. <laughs> All right, you're out. <laughs> the next one, uh, forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and the pain that was caused. True or false? If we choose not to forgive, eventually the issue will just go away. True or false? Oh. And the last question, the fourth one, if we do not forgive each other, we will not be forgiven. So go ahead, answer those, share your uh, answers with one another. We're going to walk through these one by one and look at what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. For some of you, this is going to be the first time you've heard any of these. For some, it might be a little bit of repeat, but that's okay. I believe that uh, these truths can change the trajectory of our lives for today. So the first one, okay, first one, forgiveness is a good idea only when someone deserves it. False. This one's hard. Because oftentimes we think there's no chance that person's going to get forgiveness. I'm not going to let them off the hook. Fill in the blank. And what they deserve actually never comes into forgiveness. Never. It doesn't have much to do with the other person at all. Even when they don't ask for it, forgiveness has much more to do with us. There's a chapter in Colossians 3.13 that says this. We already know that they're unavoidable. Mistakes are going to happen. Offenses are going to happen. This is make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive others. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down real quick. Forgiveness is freely received, therefore, it is freely given. Freedom is freely received, therefore, it is freely given given, even when they don't deserve it, even when you feel like you don't deserve it, forgiveness needs to happen. It's not me, that's Jesus. The second one, forgiveness includes minimizing the offenses and the pain caused. Surprise, this is false. False. In fact, um, if you minimize the offense, if you minimize pain, you can actually never experience forgiveness. For some of you, let me say that again. If you minimize the pain, the offense that has happened, you can never undergo the forgiveness process. In fact, forgiveness is rejecting our right for repayment. If you minimize, you're not actually acknowledging how painful it was. You're downplaying the offense that has happened. Someone has a debt to pay. The Bible teaches that whenever there's an offense, there's a debt to be paid. In Hebrews 9.22, it says it like this. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. 
in this context, there was a sacrifice to be made. Now, some of you just heard, good, I get to go shed some blood. That is not what I'm saying. Like, whoever just cracked their knuckles in the back over there, like, I need you to calm down. That is not what I'm saying. But there is a debt that needs to be paid. When someone hurts you, you have a choice. Each and every one of us are given a choice to return fire, and it feels good in the moment. I've done it more times than I'd like to admit. Return fire with fire, or we can choose a better way. We can, we can reject collecting on that repayment. The only problem is, if we reject that right, there is still a debt to be paid, which means for many of us, for all of us, we inherit that debt. The moment we decide to forgive, we inherit that debt, and it hurts. I won't stand here and lie to you and pretend it doesn't hurt, and it's easy. We inherit that debt. But Pastor Tim Keller says it like this, forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. We step into that voluntarily. There is a beautiful truth through this process, however, that when we inherit this debt, we don't do it by ourselves. Second Corinthians says it like this, for just as we share abundantly in our sufferings, when you receive that debt upon yourself, we also comfort, or I'm sorry, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. When we forgive, we lose something, but we get something greater. We get to step into an intimacy, a peace that is greater than anything we could have received if we would have returned fire with fires. We get Jesus. The third question here, some of you guys are doing pretty good, some of you guys not so good, I heard on that last one. If we choose not to forgive, eventually it'll go away. Many of us have stepped into this lie. Many of us have told told ourselves that time heals all wounds. You're right, this is false. This couldn't be further from the truth. Culture has been lying to us. Time does not heal it. In fact, often time magnifies the void between you and the other party. That magnifies the hurt. It intensifies uh, the ability of unforgiveness to be rooted in your heart. Time doesn't bring healing. I experienced this. Um, I had a high school sweetheart my senior year, and I would have told you hands down I was going to marry this girl. Uh, side note, it's not my wife. This surprise. Um, and I had like what you would call your first love. And Oh, I was head over heels. And maybe, maybe some of you guys got lucky enough to marry your high school sweetheart. And you have no idea what I'm talking about here. Um, but this girl uh, broke my heart in a way that I thought there was no coming back from. And, and the, the separation, actually, without going into detail, was pretty much her. Like, I, I probably minimized some of the things. I probably thought time was going to heal these voids. I thought that if I just pushed things to the side, it was going to be okay. Um, and I thought, okay, well, we were separated, we broke up, time heals all wounds, I'm good, like, I got saved years down the road, and I thought, I've got this forgiveness thing mastered because, well, I got saved, therefore, and I've been forgiven, I've forgiven people. And then there was this party. We had a mutual friend who was going to the Peace Corps. So there, uh, we got invited to the party, and my wife now and I were like, we'll make it, but we're going to be really late. Sorry, like, we just, we have stuff going on. Um, and she was like, sweet, just show up. We'll wrap up the party, and we'll hang out, and we'll, just, we'll say goodbye because you're going to be gone for a while. And uh, there's five people there, including us two, my wife and I. It's our mutual friend. 
my high school sweetheart and her like boyfriend, whatever it was. And wouldn't you know that we were at that round circle and next to me was that girl. And I can tell you in that moment, there was feelings of just like awkwardness and like bitterness and just something weird. And I realized I had forgiveness to be done. Like there was something unresolved. And many of you are probably in that going, I, I thought I'd figure this out. But if I was next to that person, if I see their stuff online, if I see them at the grocery store, there's some kind of emotion that just happens. And it's a clear indicator that forgiveness has not happened. Time alone does not bring healing. The only pathway to complete healing is through forgiveness. In Acts 3.19, it says it like this. Repent then, and if repent's churchy for you, that's okay. It just means turn away from and turn to God. Turn from that debt. Turn from uh, this, this feeling that you have, this uh, offense, and turn towards God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing of the Lord will come. It's not just forgiving the thing that happened, the thing that you experienced. Yes, God will bring healing, but God heals us from unforgiveness. It is a condition, it is a disease that takes root in your heart and it manipulates and it changes us in ways that we might not even be aware of. Oftentimes, forgiveness is a battle that only you are fighting and the other people have no idea what's going on. As much anger and hate and resentment you hold towards something or someone, they have no idea and it's a battle that you are going through all by yourself. But God can free you, free me, free us from our unforgiveness. Uh, there's a Christian theologian and author, his name's Lewis Smedes. He says it like this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that prisoner is you. Many of you walked in here today as prisoners and not even realize it. So there's something in there that resonates with you you're missing out on so much more when we walk through forgiveness. Maybe for the first time, you're realizing it. It doesn't have to stay that way. There's a different way. There's a better way when we, when we walk through forgiveness. Fourth question. If we don't forgive each other, then we will not be forgiven. This is the only one that's true. And I'm just going right to the Bible on this one because for some of you, this strikes a chord. In Matthew, uh, Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, and he says this to the people. For if you forgive others who sin against you, who wrong do you, who bring offense to you, who hurt you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive each other, your Father will not forgive you. You. And I know for some of you, you're like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, I thought I was good. I thought I had this thing figured out. I come to church on Sundays and I've resolved some things. But Jesus is very clear on this part. However, forgiveness, forgiveness is not one of these things that we just have to do. When we look at it like that, it's a chore. Forgiveness is a requirement for many Christians, for all Christians. But forgiveness is a got to. It's not a got to, but a get to. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. We get to receive forgiveness and we get to extend forgiveness. You see, we get the opportunity to experience God in a deeper way. 
We get to experience comfort that only comes from God. We get to step into freedom, maybe for the very first time in our lives, when we begin to forgive. You, me, we don't have to be prisoners anymore, no matter what you walked in the door with. This does not have to be our reality. You get the keys directly to yourself from Jesus, and you can just step out into freedom. This is not a got to, but a get to, because free forgiveness is freely received, received and freely given. Forgiveness is rejecting our right for repayment, is our pathway to healing, and it's a requirement for all Christians. So we, we played the game. Let's step into some truths about forgiveness. All right, we're going to build from some truths for forgiveness. How do we do this then? Because this is not easy. I understand. I understand that this is not an easy thing. And I'm asking many of you to let go of things you've been carrying for years, if not your whole life. So how do we forgive? I think for all of us, the best example we can point you towards is the perfect example in Jesus. We're going to continue in the book of Luke, but we're going to like sprint through this outline of forgiveness that he demonstrates for us. So if you got your phone out, take pictures because we're going to move pretty quick through this. On the night that Jesus is betrayed, on the night that Jesus is murdered and wrongly convicted, he's in a garden in the book of Luke and he's praying to the Heavenly Father and he says this, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup and suffering from me. Jesus is fully human and fully God, but in his humanity, this burden is too much from him. The, the wrong that he's going to inherit is too much. And he says, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. So if we're called to forgive, if we're going to start this forgiveness process, where do we start? We have to resolve our trust in God. We have to trust that what he says about forgiveness is a better way. We have to begin to trust that what God says about forgiveness is actually true because what you believe dictates the way that you will live. What you believe about forgiveness will dictate the way that you forgive yourself and other people. Now, I wanted to do the thing that most pastors do and share a personal story about how I trusted God. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I have an easy one. I quit my job. I moved my family of six across the country. I planted a church. Um, and I thought, we've probably played that story out too much. So I began thinking, well, you know what? Too bad. We're going to use that story because it's a good story and it's still kind of fresh. Um, in fact, there's, it's funny. There's three things I told God I would never, ever do. Three things I said, God, I understand that you're God and I'm me, but I have a plan and I'm, I'm pretty right most of the time. And so I was, I was halfway through nursing school and I remember telling God um, or receiving from God, like, you're going you're gonna to be a pastor someday. And I was like, nope, like, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to make a lot of money. This is going to be sweet. Like, uh, I was going to work in the ER because it's always changing. God, I know what I got for my life. And then my uh, college lost its accreditation, and I couldn't be a nurse anymore. I submitted to being a pastor after a little bit of wrestling. Uh, I took a year off college, joined an internship at the church, and um, through that process, uh, realized that God wanted me to be a pastor. Well, then I was like, well, God, I'm not going to be one of those speaking pastors. I'll never speak on stage. <laughs> Like, I used to be, I mean, terrified. I took three public teaching classes, uh, public speaking classes in college because I hated this. And then as soon as I said that, I began to give my testimony in front of hundreds of people. I became a pastor at a church and started teaching on stage, so I'm over for 2. 
And the third one, from the very beginning, God, we were clear on this. I will never plant a church. Like, I was good. I don't really love starting new things. I don't even like starting new checklists. Like, I want to, like, come in and make something better. And, um, I mean, I'd been a Christian for 14 years at this point. I was like, I've got my faith figured out. I'm a pastor at a church. Okay, I submitted there, but now I'm teaching a little bit. That's okay. It's not that bad. And then he goes, all right, well, your friend Josh is going. I'm going to put a little, uh, a little seed in your, in your heart. And I began to wonder, what if? What if this was what we were called to do? And here I am on stage as a pastor speaking to you today, playing the church. What I realized is it's not about what I let go of. I had plans. I thought I had things figured out. It's about what I grabbed on to. In each and, one of, each and every one of those, I let go of something, but I trusted in Jesus. I grabbed onto Jesus. And every single time I did that, the outcome, the journey was better than what I had planned for myself. When we trust Jesus and his truths about our lives, it's going to be better than what you have planned. For some of you, you have plans right now that Jesus is trying to tell you to change your trajectory and grab onto him. You have people that you've been thinking about this entire conversation that you're not going to forgive. That you're going to walk out of here and I'm not going to know about it, but you're going to put on a good face. Jesus wants you to grab on to him because there is a better way. This is not elementary Christianity. Forgiveness is not just something we throw around that's easy. This is PhD level stuff. So if you're like, I want a deeper teaching, well, here it is. We need to, we need to extend forgiveness. We need to decide if we trust what he says or not. Continuing in Luke, um, he says this. He's on the cross. He's been whipped. He's been beaten. Uh, and he's been accused of crimes he didn't commit. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They don't deserve it. There's a debt to be paid, and he's absorbing it. And he's deciding to free people and forgive them. And sadly, many churchgoers in the world never experience this step. Some of you in here today who have never experienced but you've been going to church for years. Jesus had every right to be angry and withhold forgiveness from the people in front of him. The people that literally whipped him and cut his flesh, that smacked him and spit on him or standing in front of him. He says, Father, forgive them. So then for me, I'm going, well, why did he have to go through all this? Couldn't he just do what God does and like forgive me like this? And the truth is, no. It's very clear in the book of Hebrews. 2, 17 and 18 says this, Therefore, it was necessary for him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us undergo every single experience, emotion, feeling that all of us will go through since he himself has gone suffering and testing, wrongdoing and hurt, just like you. Betrayal. He is able to help us when we are being tested. When you're in the midst of this process, he knows exactly what you're feeling. And he says, I have forgiven freely. I need you to do the same thing. Jesus asked for forgiveness on the cross so that we too could extend forgiveness. Now, again, I want to remind you, today we are not talking about reconciliation. We step into this forgiveness. Forgiveness takes you. Reconciliation takes you. These, some of these major offenses, these serious things, you need to have boundaries in place. 
You need to have um, distance, perhaps. You maybe you need to uh, seek counseling to get through this process, or maybe there's legal action that needs to play, take place. And I'm not minimizing what happened. I'm not downplaying it. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. God never orchestrated you to go through this hurt, but he made a way for him to understand and allow you to experience forgiveness and freedom as well. So ask yourself, where do we go from here then? What's the step? How do I step into this if it's just, if it's just like that? But it's, you said it's PhD level stuff and I want to experience this. I think there's a question for you to ask yourself right now. You probably already know the answer. Who can I forgive today? Ask yourself that question and be honest. Where do I need to extend forgiveness? I want you to do it. Take a second. If you're a note taker, write it down. Um, if you're not, I text myself like notes sometimes. Text it to yourself. Put a name on there. Make it personal. And if this is hard, if this is um, cause emotions you, you're going to step into today, or you don't think forgiveness is even going to be possible, I want you to do a little exercise. Um, I was going to bring in my list, but the journal was like three pages long and it was a little excessive. Begin writing down things that you've been forgiven for, whether that's from other people or from God. Put their name at the top, the person that you need to forgive. Just make a list of things you've been forgiven for and watch that list fill up and watch your heart soften little by little by every moment of forgiveness that you've had extended. Another step we can do is return evil with good. This is not always easy. I was always taught, let them throw the first punch and then you can throw the second punch. Um, but this is, not, this is not what we're talking about. See, we get the chance to return good, or evil with good. Jesus says it like this in Luke 23, 43. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In the middle of his suffering, there's a thief on a cross who simply asks, what does it take for me to join you? And he extends it freely. Jesus could have returned evil to any of the people here. And he, return, or he uh, returns this evil with good. In Romans 12, it says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, Jesus tells us that if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will, you will heap burning coals upon their head. Do not overcome evil by evil. Or not, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The greatest hope for us, the greatest hope for this valley is returning evil with good. Not to repay evil with evil. Do not be overcome by the evil, but overflow with good and choose a better way. The beginning of this verse is amazing. It says, do not repay evil with evil, for it is my wrath. And when we, when we begin to step into God's role of extending this justice, this wrath, we're stepping into what God says is designed just for him. And I don't know about you, I'm, I was designed, I was up, uh, brought up to like step into those, those moments. Like I see injustice, I'm going to take care of it. 
But when I do that, I step into what God has designed for himself. And I don't know if you realize this, but God is pretty good at what he does. He does not need us to take his seat, to take his job. God is God, and I don't have to do it. Now, there are some things we can do. There are some serious offenses where it might not be best for you to shake hands, to step into a conversation. And I'm not saying jump back into everybody's life. But I am saying there is an opportunity to return this evil with good through prayer. In fact, it's the greatest good you can ever extend somebody. The people on your list, the people on your mind and on your heart right now, I want to tell you to begin praying for them. In our last song today, take an opportunity to pray for them. Maybe it's something you've never done. Maybe you're worried about how it's going to feel. Begin to pray for them. And if you don't think you can do it, be like the disciples and ask for your faith to be increased right here today. The last step is not actually a step. It's just a posture of the heart. It's to rely on God to redeem and I don't know about you, I'm a control freak. I want to do stuff. I want to fix stuff. I'm a fixer. When my wife comes in with anything, I want to fix the problem, even if I can't. Um, and this is, this is going to be really challenging for anybody who's like me. Because this is a promise from God that he can redeem anything. Especially the things he didn't want to have happen. Especially the things he didn't want you to go through. But God will set you free. Luke 24, 46 says it just like this. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of our sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Begin in Jerusalem. You are a witness to these things. Jesus said these to his disciples. I want you to put your name in here when I read this one more time. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness for your sins will be preached in his, in his name to all nations. We are talking about this forgiveness today across the world. It began years ago, but redemption is powerful. There was a world that didn't understand redemption, didn't have any understanding of what forgiveness looked like. And Jesus said, I've came from a better way because you can never achieve it yourself. And now today, 2,000 years later, we have a message of forgiveness that can free us from anything that the world brings our way. And when you looked at the cross, a tool that was designed to hurt, to murder, to embarrass, and to kill in the worst way, you never would think there was something good or redemptive coming from that cross. Even the disciples looked at Jesus and thought it was over. And now we have a message where Jesus stands in your hurt, where you can never see anything beautiful happening in your story. Jesus can stand in your pain, your offenses, and says, I have gone through this, and I can redeem, and there will be something beautiful through this story if you just trust me. Step into forgiveness. When we look at the cross today, because of our our, our positioning of the story, we see something wonderful. The disciples saw the end of their lives, and many of you, because of your hurt and your offenses, think that was the end, and nothing can take care of it. Jesus wants to step into that. 
See, we looked at the cross and it was terrible, but the gospel came from the cross. Good came from the cross. And I'm not saying it's going to happen today. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy process, but good can come from your story. Good and redemption can come from your hurt. If you're saying there's no way God can use my pain or what's happened to me for good, I'm telling you that he wants to use your story, your testimony to save many other people. He wants to take your story and make a difference. I found a quote from Mother Teresa, and I thought, any chance I can quote Mother Teresa, I'm on the right path. And so I want to just quote her as we wrap up today. She says this, People are often unreasonable, they are illogical, and they are self-centered. Forgive them anyway. I want you to say that again. Forgive them anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Jess. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We're so glad to have you. And hey, if you made a first-time decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. It is the best decision that you will ever make. I wanna encourage you to go to our website, purposearizona.com slash connect card, and you'll see a connect card on the website. Go ahead and fill that out. It gives us a little bit of information about you and helps us come alongside you and support you as you start this journey. Also, if you just wanna connect with our church or if you wanna invest financially in what God is doing here in the Valley, all of the information is on the website, purposearizona.com. And lastly, we meet in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Desert Edge High School, and we'd love for you to join us. Be sure to follow us on social media for any other updates. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.